We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your true faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United have been beaten 2-0 at Arsenal. Myself, Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, beside me and remotely we have Norman Riley. Norman, you were at the match yesterday. How was it for you, mate? Overall, in terms of the result, I mean, I mean, no, not overall. The result was very, very disappointing. Obviously, we lost, right? It's never, never pleasant. Um, but I think a lot of positives to take, maybe not necessarily from the performance, but the day itself in, in the sense that we pre-match were full of hope. We had like hope that we might get something. And that was, it felt like a kind of unique experience. It'd been, it seems like it'd been a long time since we... We're going into a game of football with, with genuine optimism because I, I thought Arsenal were there for the taking. Obviously, it transpired that they weren't because you, you could argue that they're comfortably, comfortably beat with. Um, I think the the deficiencies within the squad were kind of laid bare. Um, obviously, how sets up the side to soak up the pressure and potentially hit them on the break. And I thought we did soak up that pressure really well in the first half. Um you could argue that they didn't necessarily create anything clear cut. You had the Obama Young chance, open goal more or less that he missed, but that was kind of the only chance that the fashion from open play. Um, the free kick from Erdegaard was a very well struck, great save from Dubravka. It was fantastic to have Dubravka back. Um, and you, maybe you could say that the reason they didn't create as many clear cut chances is because Dubravka commands his area, right? He doesn't stay on his line, so a lot of the balls he was coming out and claiming. Um, but I got to half time and I thought we could get something, but when your plan is to catch a team on the counter, to soak up pressure and catch them on the counter, you have to be able to counter-attack. Unfortunately, yesterday, we didn't really offer anything going forward, and that was that was the, the, the big issue. You know, we were defensively defensively poor in the second half, but ultimately, we, we still kept it at nil-nil, and we really struggled to, to kind of get the ball out of our half, and that, that was an issue, and I think we need... It kind of indicated how much we really need that that kind of midfielder who can transition the player from from our end to their end really quickly. And and Shelby was Shelby's good at spraying passes around, but I'm talking about a midfielder who can kind of do the, the hard yards in terms of running. I think we missed that yesterday. So I overall disappointed with the result. I did did see some positive signs, but also everything that we've been saying about this this squad for the last couple of years. I think we we saw evidence of that yesterday quite clearly. Very interesting, mate. How about the, since you were in the away end, how about the reaction at the end of the game? You know, social media, whilst not always being incredibly accurate, it's snowing very heavily in Newcastle. It's really snowing. Wow. Um, not that that matters to anyone listening, probably. Um, you know, 
you know, there was a lot of consternation. We might talk about that kind of expectation a little bit later of where the fans are at at the minute and why. But, how, you know, did, were the fans with the team, was there frustration or was, was there a little bit more realism that actually my take on this, mate, is I didn't expect us to get anything yesterday. I'd have loved us to, and, I th- and you could argue that we have to because of the position we're in, because Leeds are picking up points, because Norwich are picking up points. But ultimately, we've gone to a team that were unbeaten in 10 before they played possibly the best team in the country last week, who are very, very good side and, and going places. You know, what was there that togetherness still by the end of the game? I thought there was. I, I thought there was. I thought the atmosphere throughout from the Newcastle fans was excellent, bar, barring a very, very, very tiny handful of fans that kind of dotted sporadically throughout the away and singing attack, attack, attack at one stage. But I, I don't recall any situations where the, the, the frustration towards the players was palpable. I don't record any kind of criticisms or, or real audible groans. So to me, I think the, you know, you mentioned um, you didn't expect anything. That's the difference between hope and expectation, right? Expectation is thinking we'll get there, we'll get something. If we don't, it'll be a disappointment. The hope's completely different. Hope is this is a really good side we're playing. All right, they lost heavily against Liverpool, but who doesn't lose heavily against Liverpool ultimately? Um, we might we might get something. That's all it was. It was always a might get something. It was never an expected. We should definitely get something. Yeah, and we lost two 0 against a team that's got a, a really good home record this season, and, and ultimately only seems to lose against your kind of top tier teams. All right, Brentford in the first day of the season, but it's a freshly promoted club. There's always that kind of impetus, right? Apart from that game against Brentford, they've been they've won all the games they probably expected to win, and yesterday was no different. So no, I don't I don't think there was any negativity coming from the win. In fact. At the end of the match, how when the players came over in the um, dynamic between the fans and, and, and those players and how was was excellent. Uh, Willock threw his shirt into the end. I give it to a fan. Shea did the same thing. There was applause. There was singing. The singing, as I say throughout, was really positive. And, and what I'd like to see is obviously against Norwich on Tuesday, which is a seismic game, um, a continuation of that atmosphere because it was, I don't recall any periods where there wasn't a song going on, at least, you know, at least in parts of the end. And then, um, Put it this way, it's the first time I've came back from a match in a long time where I've had a sore throat from singing as opposed to just shouting me frustrations out at the players. It's on the nice. I think that's corroborated as well by our Match Day podcast, which is on Patreon, because I edited that for Norman last night and and it really was, it was like singing all the way through. Um, there was a patch of we're, we're rich and we're shit, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it was it's, it still feels, even though I was just listening to the audio, it still feels like it's in good faith. It still feels like we're behind, like it's like oh well we're still here and we still love this team and like it's gonna get better like I don't know I I don't well, I didn't feel any negativity. That's why I wanted to speak to Norm about his experience the way and isn't it because I, I watched the game I was actually at Liverpool v Southampton for reasons I'm not going to <laughs> um, and you look at social media and you know the NUFC 360 account which is a very good account is tweeting we need to start mentally preparing for relegation didn't feel like that from what Norman's just said. I don't think that's fair, mate. There's still that resilience from the people that were there. I I I, I would agree with that. Um, I think. Can I just point out on, on Charlotte's comment as well on the you know we're rich and we're effing shit. Um, that's that, that's you know what that was the Newcastle fans singing that. That was actually a reaction to the Arsenal fans singing it. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. Yeah, I heard the Arsenal fans. I I don't think it was like you know we. Yeah, basically shouting at the players on the pitch, telling them how bad they are. Right? Um, it was more kind of the Arsenal fans were saying you're rich and you're fucking shit, and then uh, we um, piped up with um, we're rich and we're fucking shit. It was just a reaction to that. So I think um, yeah, yeah. They, look, as I say, the only the only you know air quotes negative that I recall was the attack, 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 which 
you know that that you, you could argue that's that's a that's a negative, right? But as I say, it was a it was a hand, handful of fans. It really was. But um, either is there's a. I, I still think that the, the how how coming in it has given us such a lift as a fan base that I think this this kind of positive attitude will carry over. Um, I, I didn't see anything yesterday, as you see, Alex. You know, expectations. I didn't see anything yesterday during that performance that made me think we're worse than we are. You see what I mean? I didn't necessarily see anything that made me think we're better than we are. But it's it's a it's a well, what what did we learn from yesterday that that were actually an absolutely terrible side? Not really. It was Arsenal away, and Arsenal for all of their faults. They've got a good team, and some of their players are absolutely brilliant. And like, they, they are streets ahead of, in terms of natural ability, they've got players who are streets ahead of us. So two 0 away, where we played all right against them for for periods, is probably it probably meets ex- realistic expectations. Unfortunately, and are you still positive about the the chances of staying up, mate, after yesterday? Ooh, that's a question, isn't it? Right, the. The, I have to. It's 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 difficult to give an answer one way or the other, right? Because ultimately, what you've got to look at is is the amount of games remaining, right? And this is thirteen games in now, over a third of the season without a win. So, and statistically, you've had Derby County do it, and then Sheffield United ninety ninety one. Thank you to Mark Corby for that reminder this morning. Football did exist prior to the Premier League. Um, <laughs> so you know it's doable, right? But my God, it's going to take a gargantuan effort. Um, I think we're kind of fortunate in that the gap isn't that big. I think maybe maybe TF put a tweet out yesterday with the fact that the gap between us and like tenth is only something ridiculous, like seven points. Um, so it's it, you know it, it's it's not huge, right? Maybe not tenth, maybe it's twelfth. Maybe I'm getting too excited and thinking yeah. of we're getting thinking we're, we're getting we're to the six, Europa Conference. Six points off seventeenth. <laughs> so it's seven points up the fourth, then, right? Seven points up the fourth. It's a tight league <laughs> this year. Um, I mustn't be looking at the top ten of the table. I think I've stopped doing that about three years ago. Um, so, <laughs> I'm so, the same. I don't know who's in there. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know the names of the oh, teams. Oh, I'm getting on these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's Royal Engineers getting on with the top four? Um, it's uh, it, it's look, it's a gargantuan task, right? I mean, ultimately, we're next eight games. Norwich and Burnley will come out of those with six points on the board. I would say, put it this way: we come out of Norwich and Burnley with two wins. Can we avoid relegation? My answer will be yes. We come out of those two games with. Anything less than six points, I'd be wobbling. I think I, I think I'd be telling a bit of a lie if I thought we were in a good position to avoid relegation. Ultimately, out of the bottom five sides now, you have to say, right now at this moment in time, right, we are we are favourites to be in that bottom three. That you can't, you, you, you know, you can't. You're being unrealistic if you disagree with that. But I do believe that with a couple of the right players coming in, with how being, you know, two or three weeks down the line, his methods on the training ground kind of being instilled a bit more. Um, and with a couple of victories in the bag to build up confidence, then yes, we can avoid relegation. You, ha- you have to, you have to think we can avoid relegation. Um, and, and and I really do. But at the same time, we we're talking about this yesterday in the pub after the match. We're seeing talking to a couple of Arsenal fans, and they're like, "If you get relegated, how do you think that'll pan out?" And I said, "Well, we'll come straight, we'll come straight back up. We'll win forty six games. So you know what? If we get relegated, hey, it doesn't matter. We'll have a great year next year." Brilliant. That's part one of this show. Done a couple of adverts now from True Faith. If you don't like the adverts, we are on Patreon. £5.50 a month for lots of extra NUFC content and you get these podcasts advertising free. So we'll be back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, part two of the show, Norman and Charlotte, I would like to really question the team selection yesterday. I'm delighted. How is the manager? I think he's going to do a great job, and I think he's going to keep us up. More on that later when we're coming to part three of the show. We'll talk about the massive week that we'll have ahead. Um, I think, and I said this after Brentford, very hard to win a game in the Premier League when you go keep the players like Carl Darlow played, and I believe that was a really bad call, uh, selecting him ahead of Dubravka for that fixture. Um, these are big decisions and it's kind of unfortunate for Howe and his coaching team that that selection in my opinion cost us three points in that fixture uh, the fact that he picked up Bravka this week suggests that was a wrong call not just because of what happened um, in terms of the three goals were conceded but I think you know like Norman mentioned before Dubravka is just a better goalkeeper than uh, Carl Darlow in almost every department yesterday selecting in a back four, Matt Ritchie and Emil Kraft as your fullbacks. I'm going to say it again, very hard to win games in the Premier League. If two of your back four are Emil Kraft, who has never been good enough for the Premier League, in my opinion, I don't, I don't think he's ever had a good game for Newcastle. Certainly at right back, um, and then Matt Ritchie. Uh, you know, I, I feel that's a really, really bad selection. Now, of course, both of the goals. You look at both fullbacks, particularly the first goal. I mean that the. the the second goal was horrific from, from Richie. He neither presses the man to stop the cross, nor does he follow the runner. Uh, that's a really bad goal to concede. The first goal from Kraft, he just completely loses Saka. He's wrong side of him. I mean, really, in hindsight, all Kraft has to do is like nudge him off the ball wrong side because not a pen, as we'll learn uh, 30 <laughs> seconds earlier at the other end before the second goal. More on that later. Um, I'm really surprised, both of you, and keen on thoughts from either of you, that he went for a back four yesterday. I was really surprised against Brentford that he went for a back five slash back three. However, what we saw on the pitch, um, better performances from ASM and Joe Linton, in particular out wide, better performance than John Joe Shelby. That I think he got that selection right, and he ended up finishing the game with a back four against Brentford, but that's okay because we're going for a win. I think I think he got those calls right there, even though I'd have said pre-game they're the wrong calls. I thought starting yesterday with a back four and a central middle midfield two, of Shelby and Joe Willock was was a you know a very very bold selection. Uh, Joe, Joe Willock, I think he's kind of picked up some criticism again. I think he worked really hard, particularly to support Matt Ritchie in the left back position, and he put a lot of graft in. And 
fair play to him for that. I thought Isaac Hayden has to be the man selected. And, and my frustration um, in particular is Joe Linton, and we talked about Joe Linton a lot, has a fantastic game against Brentford, and again, he's being criticised for not following it up yesterday. Every single time Joe Linton's had a good game for Newcastle, the next fixture, he's been moved. Yeah. And he was more central yesterday. He was behind Callum Wilson. There were moments when he drifted that wide. I just think how got it wrong, Charlotte. I agree with you and I really don't want to say it because we're only his second game right and I really want to get behind him and I am behind him but yesterday I was shocked to see Kraft in the team I was shocked to see Richie as you say in that position and and then and and then to to move things around ASM also wasn't in if you think about where he was in Brentford and the and the and the mobility that he had across the pitch he just wasn't allowed that yesterday because of the way we set up. And the same for Joel Linton. You said yourself there that he drifted out wide a little bit. That's because he wants to, because he's better out there. He can he can actually influence play out there. He, I do find it interesting that there's such a difference. And I said this to you yesterday in his games, like if he's even like a few yards more central, he, it, the, the game, his game completely changes. He loses confidence. He doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to move. He, 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 he just, he just can't play in that position. And okay, maybe it was an experiment from Eddie how to see see what 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 we're what we're working with here. But that's what training's for to me. And like, I don't know. I, I yeah, I agree. I think he got it wrong. And um, I do kind of understand that kind of back four wanting not to. To let their like Saka get in, obviously did because we don't have the players that can contain him. Craft being a prime example, Richie, yeah. Craft and Richie being the prime example. I get like why you would want to, but we don't have the personnel to like do that. So it was it was. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? And I know normally you want to come in. Do we not have the personnel? Because I'd suggest if you're going to play a flat back for that, you have two full backs that would perform. Maybe not up to the level required to win the game or. Changed the result even. But having watched Javier Manquillo play a lot for Newcastle, yeah. having watched Emil Kraft play a lot for Newcastle, I know who I'm selecting and it ain't the Swede. <laughs> um, having seen Matt Ritchie play left-back a couple of times in the flat-back for something I never wanted to see again. And in fact, there's some um, images on social media showing Ritchie's position um, for the second Arsenal goal. Like, Newcastle's defensive line is a diagonal line, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is quite extreme. It's like... That that you know that's really bad. We can't get away from the fact that that's 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 lack of organisation, um, lack of application, discipline, discipline, and just just lack of ability. So it it does come down to team selection a little bit. And listen, it's easy for us to say hindsight's a beautiful thing. Newcastle um, may have lost more heavily, or may the result may not have changed with those two fullbacks playing yesterday. But I have to say, I think changing week to week formation wise and this maybe this is how playing the back four we're back four now we might never see the back three again and, and, mm. and that would make sense so if, if we're, and this is this is what you didn't get under bruce you got the constant changes because things went so badly something had to change if we are now a team that is going to play a back four and even if that is going to be the back four um i understand it would make more sense that we've done yesterday we can't answer those questions until we play the games coming up yeah i guess and i know no one wants to come in i, I guess what I liked and when the team selection came out I was like craft like I don't want to see him on the pitch but I like I say can kind of see why we're lining up like that even if I don't think that the personnel is the correct choice um and what I like about that is that I feel at the moment that we've got a manager or a head coach who's looking at our opposition and specifically tailoring what we're doing to the opposition it didn't work well it didn't work but 
I've, I, I don't, and I don't know if I'm clutching at straws or trying to see what's not there, but that I felt encouraged by. Thinking of how they're going, going to, to attack you. So I kind of I kind of understand the the back four, especially how, you know, you, you play wing-backs against Arsenal, right? And the fact is that they, they, they're two full-backs, Tavares and Tommy Asso, are absolutely brilliant players, right? I mean, the kid Tommy Asso was just, like, watching him in the flesh was just like one of those, wow, this lad knows how to play. And then you've obviously got Saka as well, right? And Aubameyang stretches, you know, he, he had a poor game in terms of his finishing yesterday, but he still stretches the line. So you, you think a far back four, it won't allow them the opportunity to get in pain as much as, as, as it might with, with two wing-backs in, right? Um, so I can, I can get it. However, yes, it, for me, it was a case of the personnel. I would have preferred we've seen Man in at right back to Kraft because I think Kraft is absolutely atrocious. Um, I also think that Richie at left back, I would have preferred to see Lewis in there. However, what I will say is that he probably just trusts Richie, right? That, that's the thing. He's in, he's in a relegation battle. So Richie, he's, he's coming into this club. Um, we're in a relegation battle. He's had Richie for years as a player. He doesn't really know much about Jamal Lewis other than, I guess, you know, the homework that he's done on him. Lewis didn't really play under Bruce. You have to think, well, how match fit is he? Ultimately, he hasn't had nine minutes on his belt. It's not like he can play reserve games as well to keep his match fitness up. So I can I can understand it. However, I do think that Matt Ritchie being suspended for the next game is almost an ideal opportunity for Jamal Lewis to come in and, and stake his claim. Um, you could even argue if Paul Dummett was fit, he would be left back right. Um, what what I, I suppose worried me more than anything else yesterday was when I looked at the lineup and I looked at the formation and I saw the centre midfield and I thought that... Arsenal midfield, um, Partey, the other lad is it Simbi, I think he's called. He's, he's that's that's kind of maybe his name, I might be incorrect there, but I just thought they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna dominate and Smith Rose as well. And not having a defensive midfielder, but also having Fabian Shears, one of your centre halves, who is a kind of a, a more you know, I, I, I'll say attacking centre half, right? He likes to bring the ball out, right? So there's you, you, there's always a risk with a defender doing that when you haven't got a defensive midfielder in front of him, and, and that for me was the was the error, I would say, and, and ultimately. Party, um, especially, just absolutely dominated that space in the middle of the park. So that that's where I think we fell down. Was I understand the formation, but I think he got the personnel perhaps um, wrong. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, and it's a learning process. I wonder if the long hand of Graham Jones had something <laughs> to do with that. What a creepy <laughs> image! Because uh, I think Jones rates Craft before Jones came in last January. Craft uh, was nowhere. He was absolutely nowhere near this this starting eleven. Uh, Jones has, I think, been a big advocate of Kraft, um, and it just it just didn't work. And when you concede two goals like we did, we're very vulnerable through the middle of the pitch for the reasons that you uh, say, Norman, and I agree with you. And I think Isaac Hayden, for particular that fixture, has to start then against against Norwich. I don't mind if if Shelby and Willock's going to be his his two. You know, that's an, that you got you hopefully against a team like Norwich, that's going to be beneficial in terms of scoring goals but I think Isaac Hayden has to start yesterday myself hindsight's a wonderful thing we'll move on Charlotte no I was just going to say that that's a very good point because do you remember Jones's first game in charge and Kraft started and everyone was like oh yeah. no maybe he's been the one behind yeah. all this this whole time I, yeah, d- I do I believe it. that yeah and well, I know but I just <laughs> all right I've only had one coffee just today reiterating. Just reiterating. I'm 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 bolstering your point your thank you the support <laughs> we're both right ultimately it is so cold in here i can see my breath <laughs> yeah um become a patron to heat <laughs> the true faith office in collingwood street in newcastle um i think that does that's about it you know for part two i think there were some mistakes there in team selection ultimately we might have lost the game anyway um there's 
you know, Charlotte, just just ask you actually in this final part for this part of the show, you thought that how looked close to tears. Yesterday. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if he just has sort of watery eyes naturally, because some people do. Um, it's cold. It, yeah, it was cold. It was cold down in London. It's cold up in Newcastle. Um, yeah, I watched his sort of comments after, you know, it, he, he's not as noteworthy as our previous manager, so it, it's nothing, nothing that will shock anybody but he did look a bit sad and he was asked about the sort of you're rich and your shit things and he and he said you know um I don't believe that's correct I've been in the back room I know I, I know how I know these players and I know we've got some talent here kind of thing but he did look really really sad and I suppose you would be this is we're going into a very tough time now so yeah. it's going to be hard work the pressure's on so yeah okay maybe my eyes would be watery as well I would think the fact that he's had COVID, he's probably just knackered, right? I mean, can you imagine the mm. emotional three weeks that he's had, the amount of work that he's had to put on the training ground, that then he got COVID, he's probably just absolutely, at the end of that game, all the kind of adrenaline inside of him building up to this game, the game itself where, you know, your energy must just be getting sapped out of you. Um, at the end of it, he's probably just exhausted. Um, I'm sure that he's gone home post-match, he's... You know, he's he's ran himself a lovely bath, got some candles, and he's had um, he's had his little computer screen in front of him doing his doing his analysis from the bath, and he's feeling fully refreshed. And we're going to tear Norwich a new one on a Tuesday. I can imagine that analysis just being on their fancy computer screens, drawing a box around Mark Ritchie for the second goal, and just putting a question mark next to him. <laughs> like remind myself to ask Matt what the fuck he's doing here. It's like um, the analysis on was it match of the day where they just drew an arrow to the yeah. goal, <laughs> score a goal. <laughs> Just one more quick point, actually, on, on selection and, and formation. I think what I did recall during the game, yes, I recall thinking was if we're having someone in behind the centre forward, it probably should have been Miggy Almiron because he could he could stretch them. And I know, like you say, mate, Joe Linton had a, had a great game against Brentford. And unfortunately, rather than being played in the position where he's had, he's, he's had an excellent game, he's been shifted again. So it almost makes me think, well, actually, if you're going to change a formation, if the kids played really well in his position... You don't need to keep him in the team just because he had a good game. If you're changing formation, it's almost like take him out of the team, put in the player who can play in that position, i.e. Miggy Almiron. Joe Linton's still got his confidence. He doesn't have a game where he's not involved at all. And, you know, the, maybe he loses that, that kind of buzz that he had after Brentford. So maybe maybe that was that was something that, you know, he possibly could have done was was have chosen Almiron instead of Joe Linton in that particular formation. I think you're right, and I, I would have gone with that, but I promise you gobshites like me would be sat here saying, why the hell hasn't he started Joe Linton <laughs> after the game he had last week? So he's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. But this brings it back to the formation point. What are we going to play against Norwich? Because Joe Linton, there isn't, if we're going to play 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 against Norwich, there is no role for Joe Linton there, in my opinion, and ASM as we can because of it. So even though I've been the biggest advocate against five at the back under Bruce, what we saw against Brentford in it, in what was really a three-four-three formation, was Joe Linton and ASM played in positions that suited them best. So it's a real tough one. We'll of course have a full Norwich preview for patrons. So we'll go into that a little bit more there. Part three, the True Faith podcast, Charlotte. It's a big old week, is it not? Can you talk the listener and I and Norman through your thoughts ahead of this one? Yeah, I feel like the last like two weeks have been big old weeks, but it really is. A big, big old big big week, isn't it? It's double big, super double big week. Um, yeah, we. My thoughts, my thoughts are that we absolutely have to beat both Norwich and Burnley. Like we, we, we absolutely have to beat them. There are there are sort of murmurings of maybe if we get four from these two fixtures, that might be okay. It won't be okay. Like in my opinion, 
we have to get six because um you know i don't know i don't know if it was you i was talking to maybe my dad yesterday norwich is actually a six pointer like burnley could be and i just think that they're just i don't know how to i don't know how to overstate how important these matches are like if we don't beat them I don't fancy our chances for the rest of the season at all. And and not just don't beat them, like we, I don't even think we can draw. And so getting the team selection is absolutely vital. Getting it right, by the way, not just getting it. Um, it's vital. We need to get behind them, which we are. We're going to go on Tuesday night. I'm sure that, you know, every Newcastle fan in St. James's Park on Tuesday night knows how big this is and is going to be behind the team 100%. Um, and then going into Burnley as well. If we if we win on Tuesday, I think that momentum will be absolutely brilliant. We've broken that kind of because there will be a sort of psychological sort of thing going on. We've not won a game yet, like you know, like that Almiron thing. Do you remember how many games it took him to score? It became this like this like shadow kind of thing, and I'm sure that the, the players can feel that too. Um, so if we win on Tuesday, I've got really high hopes for um, for Saturday. And if we don't, I, you know, I, well, I haven't really considered that. I think we've, I think we're going to, but I think we have to. Absolutely huge. The absolute epitome of six pointers, both games, bigger than Jesus. These games are bigger <laughs> than Jesus Christ, bigger than organized religion. Mega structures is what they are. These games, mega structures. Um, I look, Norwich are a totally different proposition. I think under Dean Smith, I thought against Wolves yesterday were really unlucky not to win. Um, they've got a little bit of a bounce, they've got a bit of confidence, they've got what, I think, three draws, two wins and one defeat in the last six games? I mean, you know, that's that's decent form, right? So it, our expectation is we're going to win. This this is the hope versus expectation, right? I think we we expect to win this game. And we, I mean, we ultimately have to, as Charlotte says, if we don't beat Norwich, then that that albatross around my neck, as they say, it gets even heavier for the game against Burnley. The amount of pressure on the Burnley game if we don't beat Norwich is going to be huge. And I do think that regardless of how up for the game we might be on Saturday, as a fan base, we're going to be collectively nervous, right? So not beating Norwich, those nerves will carry over into Burnley. And we'll, I think we'll maybe be on edge um, for the first for the first few minutes in any ways. And that can sometimes filter down to the pitch. So for me, beating Norwich is huge. We beat Norwich, the atmosphere goes through the roof. Going into Burnley, that'll just be it'll be massive. Um, so I I, I, I can't. There aren't, there aren't any other words, mate. There are genuine other words. These games are hugely important. If we come out of these games with anything less and anything less than four points, but even then it's going to be tough. I, I think anything less than six points, then um, I'm going to be deeply concerned. Um, that might sound really negative, but as I say, you've just got to look at the table and look at how many games have been played. It's not it's not being you know. Um, negative or being like downbeat. It's just looking at the table and saying, well, we've played 15 games and we're on, what, eight points or 10 points and we're in the bottom three. It's, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Statistically, it's going to be tough. I don't think it's negative. I just think it's realistic. Like, you have to... You, you can have as much hope as you like that something mental is going to happen in, in from December onwards and we're going to win every single game that we play. But, yeah, you have you have to be realistic about it as well. And... As you say, Norman, if if we don't win those games, the 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 realist the, the realistic thing is that we're we're probably going to go down. And I suppose you've just put it in really good terms, Norman. Even if we win both games, it will put us on twelve points from fifteen. Mm. That is still a catastrophic position, yes, to be in. And that's if you win both games, and we will preview both games in 
in their own right on Patreon. But I agree, and I'll be throwing no towels in, because what's the point? And I think the fan base should do the same. I think Eddie Howe deserves better than that, and you owners deserve better than that if we don't win both of these games. It's probably more likely, and I haven't looked at betting odds or anything like that, that we fail to win both games than we win both games at the minute, because as Norman correctly says, Norwich are in decent form. Burnley are in decent form. Burnley play um, today after we record this. It's a hard game against Spurs at their place, but if Burnley would have beat Spurs, I've got a point there. I don't think anyone would be overly you know, shocked by yeah. that. What I'll find very interesting is, I, uh, you know, that the approach against Brentford was press them, get the ball back, get the ball forward. We have to do those things. We have to see those things. Even though Norwich are in nearly as bad a position as we are, they have the same issues that we do in terms of being cut adrift. Their goal difference is, I think we have the worst goal difference now, actually. Uh, we have minus 14, I think, yesterday. Yeah, maybe Norwich have the worst. But either way, I'll double check. you know, Norwich, a point for Norwich is fine. Norwich will be targeting this game as a must-win. If they if they have realistic aspirations of staying up, they need to win this game. If they come here and get a point, there'll be positives to take for Norwich. It's another game unbeaten. Newcastle haven't won. But this is 19th versus 20th. This is not 18th and 17th. Mm. So Norwich need to win this game. Burnley, because they're a little bit further on. Burnley, because they obviously play twice before we play Burnley. Um, I think a draw for Burnley is, is more acceptable um, in that position, and that will present its own challenges for us. However, so when people talk about two wins and is four points enough, we'll have to beat Norwich. All right, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I imagine Eddie Howe and the coaching staff and the players will look at this week. It's not we've got to win both games. We have to beat Norwich. Let, mm-hmm. they, we can worry about Burnley after Burnley. We have to beat Norwich. If we can't beat Norwich, Brentford leads at home in the Premier League. We are not. We are not going to stay up. It, it, that, it, it's as simple as that. And Norwich have tightened up defensively, so they aren't the poorest uh, team they were under Farker. And it's not going to be as easy as it was. And it looked, I thought Farker was incredibly hard done by. But then I have to say, would I rather Daniel Farker was in charge for this one of Norwich? Yes, I would, in terms of Newcastle winning. So we have got to beat Norwich. That is, that's the message now. I agree with everything you say, Charlotte, about the fan base. If we're playing shite after 36 minutes, if we're 1-0 down at half time, if it's 2-0 to them on 65 minutes, as a support, we cannot grumble, we cannot moan. We had 14 years of being shite and letting the team and the management and the ownership know about it. Let's try something different now, because this game is a must-win game. I think a draw against Norwich, sorry, a win against Norwich and a draw against Burnley is really bad, but I still think we could stay up. I yeah. honestly do. But if we don't beat Norwich, um, I'm not throwing in the towel, but it's like, who are you going to beat? It's who you're going to beat. They do have the worst goal difference there, minus 20. Take that, Norwich, <laughs> Delia, the rest of them. <laughs> Um, Cook your way out of that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in fate at all. I hope the whole concept of it is it's just it's ridiculous. It's mere coincidence. But but in this instance, I'm going to say I believe in fate 100 because look at Steve McLaren, no wins. Who do we beat? Norwich six two. Look at Rafa and the championship. If we lost that game against Norwich, we're out of the playoffs. The negativity would have been would have been huge. We come back and beaten four three. We are fated to beat this Norwich side. Um, and what I will say is Smith has come in and no doubt he's improved them and he will improve them. Um, but defensively, Aston Villa lost John Terry as a defensive coach this season, and they were shocking defensively. Smith cannot coach um, sides particularly well defensively, and Norwich are so bad at the back that if we play like we did against Brentford in terms of how we press, I'm very confident that we'll, we'll score and, and we'll win the game, no doubt. Um, and in terms of Farker, 
Well, interestingly enough, listeners, I'm speaking to a Norwich fan um, this afternoon on the day this has been recorded Sunday, and I'm very much looking forward to getting his opinion on the sacking of Falker and whether or not he feels it was fair, because as you say, he seemed to have done a good job, but ultimately, like you, I agree, I'd rather he was in charge of them for um, for this particular game. But you know what? I am I am, I am, am confident that, that, that we'll beat them, so despite the intense pressure on the game, and as you say, it is a game that we need to win, I'm genuinely confident we'll do it. There we go. On that positive note, we leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. We are on Patreon, of course, £5.50 a month. If you like this podcast and want to keep it going, we'd love to have you on board. Uh, I think I will be back, I'm not sure with who, uh, very late on Tuesday night after our 5-0 victory over Norwich. <laughs> um, and of course, we'll be back after the Burnley game uh, Sunday for that one. So thanks for listening. Speak to you all very soon. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.